I dress myself in cashmere. Woo, 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 woo. I dress myself in $100 pleated slacks. Who made this coat? Hugo Boss, Armani, you set up broke hell. My life just start, Jack. You keep your mouth shut, I'm gonna go in there and slap your face. I ain't leaving. I'll wear a $15,000 Rolex and you get on Space Mountain. You'll be like this. And now, you and I are living the ride. Jet fly. Can't steal it. Wheel of dealer. Son of a gun. Who are you? Direct, tell me how to wrestle. Right lights. Big cities. I am Rick Flair. it's about time too I mean I know in the past during the Attitude Era you had well you had people like your Lita your Trish Stratus who were great in the ring and also China. beautiful women yeah. and China too China, uh, yeah. China. I don't know but you, you you sorry you dropped in like beautiful women right there and I China always scared me because she had like these like monster legs and I swear <laughs> to God she looked like she could crush a truck between her legs and, and there's video to prove it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> go to Pornhub for that one, folks. Oh, um, no. Anyway, you know, people like Trish Stratus, people like Lita were the, the, the exceptions to the rule. Normally, they would just have, you know, just beautiful women going, hee, hee, hee. Yeah, like they were beautiful. usually, like, shoulder candy or something like that. Or, like, you know, the dude would carry her into, like, the ring, and then she would, you know, like, scare or uh, mess with people or just grab somebody and hold them. Yeah. But they actually, like started making their way to the forefront was was really really cool yeah i mean I, i'm just glad we've gotten beyond the stage of you know a stacy keebler or a tori wilson i mean yeah. beautiful women but they didn't really contribute no much. it was just hair pulling and like accidental like top tops falling and stuff like that yeah. and wink wink right? yeah 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 <laughs> and it was always really funny yeah but now women wrestling I mean, yeah, I mean, watching um, in, in February when they came to town, uh, it was Bailey versus Nia Jax, which yeah. is good. And then Charlotte came out. She's one of the best performers in wrestling today. It doesn't matter the gender. She, but, of course, she had her father, the nature boy, Ric Flair, to learn from. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, if my dad was Ric Flair, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be a whole other story as well. But they got that. Um, on the network now, they have uh, the May Young Classic Tournament, where they got 32 uh, female uh, performers from the, around the world fighting in, in a tournament. And that's another thing I love. They had the May Young Classic now. Last year, they had the Cruiserweight Classic. Where they're when they treat it like a sporting event, it wow! Imagine yeah. that you're going to have a good show, if, you know, compared to treating it like like a soap opera or something. But mm. um, anyway, so what would you say are some of your favorite matches? Favorite matches, ooh, um, oh, Big Show versus Kane. That was fun. Uh, 
I, I can't really think of anything in particular with those two, but it was always fun to, like, I'm almost seven feet tall, so, you know, you have Kane, Big Show, Undertaker, anybody big, any uh, Titan class uh, <laughs> wrestler. Uh, one of my favorites, though, uh, man, what was his name? There was a kid who was starting out in wrestling, and he, he had a prosthetic leg. I, Zach Gowan. Zach Gowan. He uh, was fighting for a contract for, like, the WWE or WWF, I think it was still. And um, they were like, oh, yeah, kid, we'll get you a contract. You just got to beat one wrestler. And he's like, I'll do it. And then it's the big show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, to see him actually get the big show up on the top belt and, like, actually drop him down was insane. That, though, was just a weird time in the business. I, I stopped watch, watching wrestling around that time. Yeah. Because um, I know that's when my daughter was, um, around the time my daughter was close to being born. And um, Stephanie McMahon was the GM of SmackDown mm-hmm. at that t- around that time. and But she was also pregnant, and they were writing her off the show <laughs> by yeah. having... By having a match between her and her father, yeah, and at that time I was just like, "Oh, that shouldn't happen." I mean, obviously it was staged. I didn't yeah. think Vince McMahon was really going to hurt his daughter, but it it just was like, you, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, and and that's the thing. I I you know you mentioned earlier about you know women getting physically involved in matches. Um, I do. I like what Lucha Underground does in terms of making it to where anybody who steps in that ring is a performer, is an athlete, mm-hmm. whether it's male or female. Now, the, the females, of course, physically are going to have some major drawbacks in terms of fighting their male male competitors, but yeah. that doesn't mean that you know they can't use smarts to overpower them and you know win the match. Now, to, um, with the... With the scrutiny that wrestling gets, yeah, I mean, someone like Charlotte Flair facing off against the Big Show, if the Big Show chokeslam her, that would just yeah. look bad yeah, visually. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't, but just, these are also adults. You know, they're athletes. You know, I, I just find it weird that that there's this extra level of scrutiny for wrestling that you don't get for law and order. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it, anyway... Continue on with your favorite matches. Well, and um, it, it's hard to like point to particular matches because everything I saw was so sparse. But um, I, I remember watching uh, the Kane, Kane and Undertaker fight, which was hilarious. When uh, Kane goes for a choke slam, and then Undertaker goes for a choke slam, and they're just there holding each other by the throat, and then just punching each other. <laughs> Uh, and and you had similar things with like Big Show, but one of my favorite, um, uh, um, oh my gosh, what's the word? Duos that were just at each other's throats the whole time was The Rock and The Big Show, because you have someone who's really really small, air quotes around really really small, like mm-hmm. The Rock, going against someone like The Big Show, and um, he. Uh, he always seemed at a disadvantage, but, you know, the big show's slow. Yeah. Air quotes around slow. And, um, I remember seeing a fight one time where The Rock is just beaten down, and he manages to get Big Show on the, the, uh, upper, um, 
ropes again, and essentially does a power bomb of some sort, and the whole stage collapsed. No, that was that was Brock Lesnar versus the Big Show. Was that Brock Lesnar? It was Brock Lesnar. Yeah, they. It, what happened? The Big Show was going for a, a move off the top rope, which he and rarely does. Yeah. And Brock Lesnar gets up there. They do a superplex. Yeah. And then the ring collapses. Yeah. They've done that a total of three times, and each time, everybody in the audience is like, "Holy shit!" Holy, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Well, that one. That was what they ended on. Yeah. Uh, and it was bonkers because I was like, "Whoa." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for me, I would say my favorite match, February 5th, 1988, the rematch between Hogan and Andre the Giant. Nice. It was on a show called The Main Event. It was not Saturday Night's Main Event. It was it was on a Saturday, though, but it was the first time professional wrestling was on primetime television in America since the 50s. Uh-huh. And the buildup was, you know, the big rematch, you know, because at, at WrestleMania 3, um, at the beginning, Hogan tried to body slam Andre, but then failed, and then the referee w- counted three, but said he only did a two count. So they gotcha. set that up for um, this match right here. So they were, it, Andre the Giant comes out with the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. And then near the end of the match, Hogan goes for a leg drop, but Virgil grabs his leg. The referee is, 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 you know, yapping with Virgil. Hogan pins Andre. Everybody in the audience is like, one, two, three, but the referee's not there to count it. So Hogan gets up and, you know, goes to the referee, what are you doing, man? And then um, Andre the Giant comes up from behind, grabs his hair, headbutts him, does a shitty suplex, and then lands on, on him, and then the referee starts counting. One. Hogan lifts his shoulder up. The referee keeps counting. Two. Three and awards the match to Andre the Giant and me. I am twelve years old at that time. The moment the match ended and the bell rang, and then Howard Finkel, uh, you know, the winner of the match and new World Wrestling Federation champion Andre the Giant. I ran out of the room crying. Oh man, I cried like a little bitch. That day. <laughs> I always, I always love that when a referee is just getting distracted, and it's like. Really? Oh, come on. But to top it off, top it off. Yeah. When um, Andre, uh, Gene Oakland comes into the ring and, you know, asks Andre, you know, what's going on here? And Andre uh, surrenders what he calls the World Tag Team Championship to (laughs) Ted DiBiase. Um, And then as they're walking out, Hogan's yelling at them. And then you see behind Hogan, on two referees that look exactly this uh, exactly alike are arguing with e- with each other. That was uh, the introduction of Earl Hebner yeah. um, to the WWF. Him and his brother Dave were twins, and uh, you know Hogan, you know, saw what was going on, and just <laughs> that right there. Um, over thirty million people saw that match, the, the most people ever to watch a wrestling match in the country, um, and that set up WrestleMania four with the uh, tournament. Holy that, crap! Yeah. And it, it is so funny to see stuff like that where they're like, oh, let me just, let me just smack him. <laughs> and then he's going to yell at me for like 10 minutes. And then someone else is going to just hit him with like a table or a chair. And, and, and then you have these like crazy silly turnarounds, which is always hilarious to watch. Well, I like the area I era I grew up with more because and and what we're turning into today because I know during the 90s it was great to watch but they did rely way too much on you know chairs, tables Yeah, they used gimmicks way too much and did not focus on the in-ring work Yeah. now granted I think we're back to a point 
thanks to the PG era to where you, the in-ring work really has to speak for itself, as it yeah. should be. Um, because even though it is entertainment, even though it is scripted, what we are watching is supposed to be a sporting event. Yeah. Without that sport aspect to it, what are we really watching for? Soap operas. True, but I mean, it, <laughs> it, but the same could be said for you know football. Football is its own soap opera. Yeah, opera uh, football, I don't know right? if you remember the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought the um, the thirty for thirty documentary on the XFL. Oh my god! Then <laughs> everybody has a Vince McMahon impression, but I remember watching. This is the XFL. Do you remember uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger did a movie? Um, and it was based in the future. He is... The Running Man? No, it's not The Running Man. It, it was fairly recent, in the early 2000s. And I think it was called, like, Seven Days or something like that, where he gets cloned. Like, he, uh... The they, Sixth Day? The Sixth Day? I think I think, I it, think it might be the Sixth or Seventh Day. But what, what happens is, uh, it's in the future, there's flying cars, all this stuff, and, um... He, uh... The sixth day. Yeah. The sixth day, okay. So he, he tells, uh, this guy, like, oh, hey, yeah, this is, uh, this is a really great job. And the, the dude's like, oh, let me, let me take that job. I'll say I'm you. And, you know, and then they kill him, and then they recreate Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they're like, whoa, this isn't the guy we killed, so there's two Arnold Schwarzeneggers running around. <laughs> uh, it's, it's silly, it's crazy, but, uh, it was funny. And one of those things that, because it's the future, you see the XFL, and I I want to like what like ask how much they paid to have the XFL in that movie. Uh, probably not much. I yeah. mean, most if you're watching a TV show and, and somebody's watching football on a TV, nine times out of ten, it's the XFL because the the rights to an NFL game cost way much more. Really? So. But it was it was super funny. They were like, "Oh, it's the ostriches and the stegosauruses," and I'm like, "Come on, XFL!" Yeah, you you, you had the outlaws. You had you the know hitmen. Like, yeah, so like bring bring it with something more than an ostrich. I really wanted the XFL to succeed, but I knew it would be a failure when. I, and granted, I'm in my mid twenties at that time, so it's one of the few times that I did frequent a adult drinking establishments. I went on a Sunday afternoon and they had golf on TV. And, and this is in Michigan. Michigan yeah. is, you know, even though we have the Lions, we still love our football there. Yeah. They did not have the XFL on TV. I had to ask them to turn the channel and I was the only one watching it. Yeah. And it, it, it kind of bothered me because I was like, oh, I'll give it a watch. And then they have like these like intermission like things with Vince McMahon and he's like, nah man, we're going to go into like the, the cheerleaders locker room oh, and I'm like oh, okay, okay no like I just want to watch football yeah I mean in watching the documentary I, I know uh, it, it sounds like they just had two competing sides you had the NBC people that didn't want to be associated with the WWE and they were just sabotage on both sides yeah. um, and I think honestly I think they started it way too quick I would have you take like arena league football, which is still around. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, so I grew up near San Jose. You had the San Jose SaberCats, and they were one of the best arena football league teams uh, in the area. And it's it's so much fun to watch because it's like football on s- speed. I don't yeah. know. 
steroids. Ste- not even steroids, because it's like the field's smaller, like the guys but are smaller. It's more smash mouth. I mean, I know back in Grand Rapids, we had the Grand Rapids Grizzlies, which yeah. were the 2001 uh, AFL champions. Yeah. And then, like like anything with the AFL, <laughs> they get a team that's successful, that stays in the town for like five years, and then they have to relocate or shut down. Or That's a sad thing about the league. But they did the right thing by essentially having... Before they became the Arena Football League, they had practice seasons Mm -hmm. to where they spent a good two years, I believe, you know, kind of perfecting what the game would be with, I believe, just like four teams. But just to get an idea of what it would be like before they put it on the field. And the XFL did not do that. They had two practice games. And then by the time they put it on the field, it looked like garbage. I mean, yeah. I, I think high school football teams would laugh at how yeah. unorganized it was. And it wasn't that they were necessarily bad players. I mean, they weren't NFL quality players, but these people played football before. Yeah. It's just a good, you know, good football has to be played between two teams who practice on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And if you just, you know, start up a league and then a month later you play your first game, it's going to look like garbage. Yeah. And, and I mean, AFL, I would say, is still around for because of what they've done. They they brought in, um, you know, the Colorado Crush and was it the Louisiana Blues? And I think we still have a team in Portland now. Really, we did. I don't know if they still play because again, no. with the Arena Football League, you never know. But um, the, the the thing with the AFL, if you were going to start up uh, start up something, don't make it the same like the big thing with the XFL they wanted to take on the NFL and they were not going to win that you fight you can't you have to be different and I think that's why even though it's not as successful as I think it should be I do think that's why yeah. the Arena Football League is still around today because they tried to be different yeah. it's still the same game just different enough to where you could you could sit back and enjoy it more and, and the AFL brought in like uh, a lot of really cool people um John Elway, not John Elway. Was it John Elway? Yeah. Uh, and uh, John Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. He he <laughs> had the blues. Yeah. So at that stuff like that, like it got hype around it, especially after uh, he retired, and um, you know he's playing for the Broncos, and he had his highlight of that's not John Elway. Is that John Elway? John Elway was one of the owners. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm. I'm trying we'll have to, think. to. We'll put it into the Google machine. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel terrible that I don't know this offhand. My brother would kill me. And I, I, what I would love to see, though, too, is the NFL try to have a minor league system, an official minor league system. You know, where where you have football in the spring and summer. You know, they tried it in the late 80s, early 90s with the World League of American Football, which became NFL Europe. Uh-huh. And I, you know... John Elway. It was John Elway. Yeah. I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And if you, uh, d- d- if you just don't have the expectation of it being as popular as the regular NFL, yeah. I think there is a market for football during the warmer months. Well, and that was the other thing, too, is you could have had it as a minor league, like you were saying, for the NFL, where it's like, hey... This is fun to watch, and it's silly, but hey, well, we got good people here. Well, I do know they they do have a uh, they do show their games on the NFL Network. They just yeah, I, I don't know. They're not an official minor league uh, system, but I know Jerry Jones, for instance, owns one of the teams. So I mean, there's interest on the NFL side, but it's not an official minor league system. Yeah, even though they need it. But <laughs> anyway, um, how are we doing on time? Um, we're at the fifty-three minute mark. Okay. Uh, best turncoat. 
Hulk Hogan joining the New World Order. I, I mean that. Think re- that is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it wasn't expected, and when he did it, um, it shocked the wrestling world. Hogan. I don't think Hogan is the greatest on the mic ever, and I know when uh, Monday Night Raw Nitro started, it did show his weakness on the mic, because in the 80s, they could protect him by only having him talk during, you know, like a short little two-minute clip on Superstars, or if they had a Saturday Night's main event or a pay-per-view, they can let him talk a little bit longer, but if you have him talk every single week, you notice that he kept the same flow, the same catchphrases, it got boring fast, but his speech after he joined the NWO one of the greatest in-ring performances on the mic ever, bar mm-hmm. none. Um, and I think, too, if the WWE wants to make a lot of money, they will do the same thing with Cena. Yeah. Because the moment Cena t- it turns heel, money's going to roll in. That, I, I swear to God, if they have Cena turn, like, uh, turn heel, the world would crumble. <laughs> like, the world would crumble. You would have, like, little kids... In like uh, the hospital, who are just like flatlining because they're just stunned, <laughs> and like you would have like people who've been watching wrestling since he's been around probably just freak out. It, I I could see that being worse than like a LeBron James going to the Miami after Cleveland. It it would be devastating. It would it would make for exciting TV though, but I remember listening to an episode of Bischoff on wrestling where Eric Bischoff interviewed Hulk Hogan, and you know Hogan touched on your points exactly. I mean, yeah. it, for John Cena to turn heel, he would have to take into account his work with the Make a Wish Foundation, yeah, because there are some really sick kids that do see him as a hero, mm-hmm. and that could really fuck with their health. I if, mean, he if, also does a lot of work with uh, the USO and and like. It, it, it's really funny to think about, like, a lot of the work that uh, WWE does in, like, their charitable organizations, and it's really cool to see a lot of that, mm. but it's really hard to tell certain people, like, hey, this is a show. This is not me in real life. And you can't tell that to an eight-year-old with yeah. leukemia. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, if they do the heel turn, they can do it to where he could still be supportive of that, but I do... It's just the WWE is in a spot now to where they really don't have anybody that is ready to replace him. Yeah. They got some awesome performers. They got people that can mm-hmm. with with the right preparation and the right push. But if Cena were to get into a car accident and break his back and never walk again and never be able to go back into a WWE ring, ring again, they're going to be hurting for a long time. Yeah, you know the last time they really came up with Mega Stars was the class, the OVW class of two thousand two. The OVW Ohio Valley Wrestling used to be their developmental territory, and from that class of two thousand two, they had Brock, they had Randy Orton, they had John Cena, they had Shelton Benjamin, who's actually back in the WWE now. Yeah, they had an amazing class, and nobody really has been allowed to step up and and, and supplant them. Yeah. I would say I don't I don't know if it was a I would say a turn heel or anything like that but it was when uh mankind became Cactus Jack in the WWF era um because he was just running around with that bat with uh uh barbed wire all Barbie. over it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Dude, oh my god. And then I remember uh his like opening match he's just wailing on someone with it and I think the guy had like a thick jacket on like 
because of it, mm-hmm. but he's just shredding the jacket, and it was crazy to see in, like, uh, thir- 13, you know what I do? And, like, a dude's just taking a, a bat, and there's, like, kind of blood and all that, and I was like, whoa. And that wasn't the first time he did that. Back no. in 97, um, on a famous episode, the episode where Vince McMahon had his first stunner, they, they had Raw at Madison Square Garden, and they were supposed to have a street fight between Triple H and Dude Love. Yeah. Triple H comes to the ring first, and then all of a sudden you hear Dude Love's music, but then you see Dude Love on the screen, and Dude Love proceeds to have an interview with both Mankind and Cactus Jack. <laughs> and, yeah. ca- and one of the most brilliant videos I've ever seen and like Mick Foley's when he's Cactus at the time he's like um, you know he's like Helmsley today is your because Mrs. Hunter Hearst Helmsley yeah you know today (laughs) is your worst day because Mrs. Foley's baby boy has come home bang bang and comes out Cactus Jack is back yeah that was the best yeah but I remember too when he became Cactus Jack again for his final run. Yeah. Uh, what people thought was his final run, where he had the bloody mankind shirt, but then he ripped it off and knew Cactus Jack and Triple H sold it amazing. That was before their um, street fight at the Royal Rumble 2000. Yeah. Hunter Hearst Helmsley becoming Triple H was probably one of the best things to happen for <laughs> wrestling because it he was just this pompous guy who was like, oh, me, 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 and then he would get just dumped on the whole time. And it was always really funny, because if you look back through, like, Triple H's, like, history, he always gets dumped on. He seldom wins. But he is still one of the best wrestlers. He is. And even though when I stopped watching wrestling in the mid-90s, he was one of the reasons I didn't like it, because why are are they going to watch a Connecticut Blue Blood? I don't want to see that. He's stupid. (laughs) And then, you know, it... When I stopped watching wrestling, it was, I think the last episode I saw was in May of 96. Um, I, the reason I know this now is I, on the WWE Network, they have a special called that Raw 100 with the top 100 clips, and they showed that clip from the episode that I remember watching, and it was where Goldust gave mouth-to-mouth to Ahmed Johnson. You know, and at that time I was like, eh, stupid. I'm not going to watch this stuff anymore. Now, granted, one month later was the birth of the NWO, so I took a great time to stop watching wrestling. But um, when I started watching again um, was just before WrestleMania 15, and it was like it was meant to be. I was switching channels, get to the USA Network. That's when the glass breaks and Stone Cold oh, comes man. out. Man, I truck. loved. I loved Stone Cold's entrance. Yeah. The breaking glass was the best because it just stops everything. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh, what's going on? Oh, my gosh, it's crazy. And then it's like, (laughs) and you're just like, oh, shit, Stone Cold, watch out. Oh, my favorite entrance that he did was the first time they were on uh, the national network that became Spike TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And William Regal came out and was reading a Charles Dickens novel. (laughs) And then uh, Stone Cold's music hits. Stone Cold just comes out, no reaction. He's just walking slowly, gets in the ring, stuns Regal, and then just walks out again. And, and I, at the time, and I, I still wanted to happen. you on your candy ass. Yeah. Oh, man. Just the way he did that. But, it uh, was the best. But seeing what Triple H became after I started watching wrestling again from where he started, yeah. he deserves every accolade that comes his way. And I think... I, I, what gets me upset too are the people that want to say that he's only gotten as far as he did because of who he married, Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Now, now, granted, that probably did grant him some powers that you know in the early two thousands he may have 
done some things that kept the title on him for longer than it should have, but that's a different story for a different day. But yeah. he deserves his spot. As I, I feel like with his uh, revitalization of his character, he revitalized a lot of wrestling. He um, did. I mean, he made The Rock The Rock, just, yeah. as, just as Roddy Piper made Hogan the man yeah you know without a good bad guy you don't have a great yeah and that that whole team was great x-pac uh triple h um badass billy gunn the road dog jesse james the new age outlaws oh man what was his name uh i feel terrible he uh he ended up killing himself i felt really bad about it uh which one yeah 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 he chris uh, benoit chris benoit he i don't know if he was a part of the team but he would always be around and he had intervened in multiple fights but um but he had the cripplers crosslash the crippler crossface cripplers crossface yeah where he would just submission people and um he and I always hate to say it, and I always hate to bring him up, but he was an excellent bad guy. Excellent bad guy. And I, I hate to see mental illness and all of that badness just take over his uh, career, but well, it, it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah, I mean, I, Benoit... Yeah, I remember when that happened, when he murdered his family, and they had the rather awkward um, tribute show when they didn't know the full story. But yeah. but you got to remember the WWE, too. They've had tribute shows before with the audience there. This was the only time they had a tribute show without the audience. Yeah. That was telling to me because I, I think they knew something was up and they didn't want to have a big crowd there with signs, you know, we yeah. miss you type of deal. Um, I, I think that also did do a lot of damage and could have really hurt the wrestling business, but Absolutely. in the grand scheme of things, it made it better by making it, making them more aware of the substances the performers are taking by mm-hmm. being much more observant of head issues. Um, with concussions, because looking back at some of the Attitude Era stuff, like I remember they had a match between The Rock and Ken Shamrock on a Raw episode, and Shamrock was on his knees in the middle of the ring, The Rock had a chair, and Shamrock was like, just do it, do it! And then The Rock just smashes that chair down on his head. Things like that are just cringeworthy to watch now, and you know, if it makes the lives of the performers that much better, if it makes it to where they're not going to allow something like a Hell in a Cell 98 happening again, yeah, yeah. it is very, very much worth it. It's just, I remember being so sad and not wanting to watch wrestling. I didn't watch it for a good year and a half yeah. after that, yeah. just because it was so sad. And the weird thing about wrestling, too, is that it's on every week yep. these same performers mm-hmm. and you know when you get to my advanced age um, <laughs> you've seen these performers probably more than you have some of your some of your family members mm-hmm. I know this previous Wrestlemania it may go down as the Undertaker's last Wrestlemania he had his match against Roman Reigns and lost for only the second time ever yep. and he ended up 
taking off his Undertaker garb, folding it up, putting it in the middle of the ring, and then he walks away, and I'm crying like a little bitch. Yeah, Just yeah. because, I, you know, I remember the Survivor Series 1990 when nobody knew who the hell the Million Dollar Man's mystery partner would be, and they said, The Undertaker, and I'm like, who the fuck? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm look thinking, at him. Yeah. I remember uh, I was at my friend's house, and we were watching WCW, and Owen Hart, uh, I think it was Owen Hart, descended into the ring. No, Sting. Sting? The dude who fell. Uh, Owen Hart d- did it for the WWF. But WWF, he, okay. The, the only time I think Owen Hart worked for WCW was very briefly in the very early 90s. Yeah. But I remember actually watching him fall, and uh, he cut, like, almost no, no, immediately. No, no, no. When he died? No, they didn't. Uh, did no, they the not cam- hear it? No, the cam- no, it was not aired at all. Oh, wow. No, because what happened, they had a a backstage pre-tape where they had Owen Hart being goofy, and Owen Hart was great at getting into laugh. Yeah. But they came back, and they had a shot um, off to the side of the ring on the audience, and that stayed there for a long time. I mean, the footage is on YouTube if you want to see it. They... The what I thought was a little bit in poor taste. They did add that pay per view on the WWE Network, but oh, they wow. edited out any mention of Owen Hart's death. Oh wow! And I think that would be one where you, you know it's either show it all yeah. or don't show it. I remember watching something. I it could have been the news or what, but I remember watching him fall, and it was brutal. Uh, the, the, well, they had pictures afterwards in the ring, but it. it, it they are lucky it didn't happen today. Yeah. Because if that happened today with everybody's cell phones recording that, if that was on the internet, that that would have yeah. killed business big time. But mm-hmm. accidents are accidents. You know, I it, do I think Owen needed to do that? No. But I don't think, you know, McMahon or anybody else in the WWE tried to kill him. I get why Owen Hart's uh, widow is upset and doesn't oh, want yeah, him in, yeah, the, yeah. in the Hall of Fame or anything like that. But... It was an accident, yeah. And 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 that's the other thing too, man. Like you have you have um, this showmanship, and you have a lot of people uh, trying to push it to the next level, and they do dangerous stuff. And um, oh, the Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys, yeah. some of their matches, like I forgot this going off of ladders and like doing flips and then landing on somebody and like. Not getting hurt is just the most amazing thing. Well, over WrestleMania 17, when um, Jeff Hardy's hanging from the, the the thing where the titles are are held up above the ring, yeah, and Edge is on that twenty foot ladder and then spears him down to the ground, yeah. Hard, Jeff Hardy could have been seriously injured. Edge could have seriously been injured. The way he landed, falling twenty feet onto your knees, yeah. Not healthy at all. Nope. I'm sure it did not feel good when they were done with that. But yeah. some of the matches they put on the TLC matches were just, again, amazing to watch. But I did think it also set a dangerous standard for what should be expected in the ring. And, yeah. and that's the matches like that should only come out if you are looking to end a feud. It shouldn't be every pay per view. Well, yeah, like. and then that, that's when you have these weird expectations to perform on a ridiculous level, and it it could cause a career. Or um, oh man, who I'm I'm getting like flashbacks in my mind of a, a match where someone like actually like fell and broke their neck. Uh, Oh, um, it wasn't aired on TV, but I know um, D'Lo Brown um, versus Draws. Yeah, had a they had a match on SmackDown that was taped, but 
never, never fair. Yeah. Um, because I, I guess there was a miscommunication, and the, the way D'Lo landed on draws that broke his neck and yeah. he was paralyzed. Even though um, some of the early "Don't try this at home" videos, you do see a, a, a clip of um, like. T- like medical people lifting up uh, somebody in the ring on a stretcher that was from the draws match yeah man that's bad that's bad 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 yeah uh how are we doing on time um hour and nine minutes okay I think I think this is a good spot to wrap up yeah getting pretty long but uh I I liked I liked be- us being able to talk about this because it was really funny. I feel like every time we talked about wrestling, I was getting eye rolls, <laughs> or or I could feel the eye rolls from through the phone. <laughs> the purest form of base entertainment that you can get. It is a universal, uh, universal form of entertainment. If you go to Bulgaria and turn on a local professional wrestling television show without any subtitles you're going to get the gist of what's going on. There's and you can a, still have fun doing it. And you, yeah. So it, it's probably the one form of entertainment that could be used as a bridge to um, people because you yeah. have, to have stories of people going all over the world and, you know, some kid in rural Africa somewhere will come up with a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. Of all <laughs> so. Do you want Y2J? Or do you want Booker T? So while I was trying to make that decision, I drove over to the Sonic Drive-In, ordered a jalapeno burger, a chicken fried steak sandwich, a chili cheese dog with extra onions, french fries, tater tots, washed it down with one beer, two beers, Three beers, a shot of whiskey, a margarita, and a bloody Mary. And I said, Stone Cold, why have one when you can have them both? <laughs>